all these people want to know, where in the world is Albus Dumbledore? You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for gumshoes. Very well, very well. I am left with no alternative. This is more than a matter of school discipline. This is an issue of ministry security. Yes, yes. You are forcing me, Potter. I do not want to. But sometimes circumstances justify the use. I am sure the minister will understand that I have no choice. The Cruciatus curse ought to loosen your tongue. I'm Heather Price Wright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. Welcome to the Quibbler, episode 60. I Every time we're at a round number, I get really surprised all over again of how many of these things we've made. That's that's a lot of quibbles. Yeah, well, there's more to come because this week we are reading totally banana pants chapters called OWLs and Out of the Fire. From Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Indeed, that is still the book we are in. We may never finish. It feels like it might never end. Although we're nearing the end now. We're like climactic almost. We're climaxing. Ugh. (laughs) That sucked. But yes. Do you think this feels longer than Goblet of Fire? No, Goblet of Fire felt interminable. Okay. Goblet of Fire is just markedly worse. This is more stressful. I'm like having heart palpitations. I had to like stop today because I thought I was going to have an anxiety attack over Umbridge. (laughs) In this podcast, you will hear spoilers for the entire Harry Potter series and uh, you will hear cursing. We actually got a review this week that said that a listener wishes there were slightly fewer F-bombs because her 13-year-old listens along with her. So I might try to be a little bit less foul-mouthed, but that's also not really in the spirit of the cast. And it was a really nice review, and you're lovely, and thank you for leaving it, whoever you are. But I feel bad that young teens are being exposed to my deeply foul mouth. It is marked explicit. And we do warn you at the top of every episode. She wasn't complaining. She was just saying, my 13-year-old listens, and I wish that you said fuck slightly less often. (laughs) So, you know, I thought I might make an effort, and then I just said it just now. So, anyway, cursing. There will also be some adult themes. This week's adult themes are confirmation bias, teaching to the test, excessive force, undisclosed locations, and sang-froid. Sang-froid? How do you say that word? Sang-froid. I, I cannot pronounce that word. Sang-froid. Sang-froid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's how you say it, I think. Anyway, we probably should have picked an adult theme that we could pronounce, but that one was really good. Mispronunciations can be the last adult theme. Alex, what the hell happened this week? In this week's chapters, Ron regales Harry and Hermione with endless recaps of the Quidditch match which they did not watch, much to Ron's disappointment. Ron is very disappointed when he finds this out, which is compounded by the fact that Ron has been volunteered for giant babysitting duty. Everything else in the first chapter we read this week is basically just a blow-by-blow of taking standardized tests, but with magic. Basically, there are OWLs, and Harry has to do shit like make a... What does he have to make? Do cartwheels? A teacup? It might be a teacup. Some household object. Yeah. Things get transfigured. Ron accidentally turns like a platter into a mushroom and he doesn't know how he did it. (laughs) Um, Lavender turns something into a flock of flamingos, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Like a hedgehog. Rather than vanish her iguana, she turns it into a flock of flamingos. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's just some general wizarding mayhem disguised as education. That is hilarious. Uh, That's so many flamingos. (laughs) Harry actually does pretty well for the general lack of studying he seems to be engaged in at Hogwarts. And he blows his Defense Against the Dark Arts exam out of the water, producing his badass Patronus, which really impresses the examination giver guy anyway but nothing really germane to the plot happens until they go up to the bup bup uh, mother can i still say this yeah of course the bup bup uh, mother now i feel kind of bad no this is our aesthetic this is okay i'm gonna embrace this 13 year old has already heard us say the f word a lot of times so like (laughs) 
It's sort of like the damage is done. The damage is done. Uh, the bu- 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 mother fucking astronomy tower. Why is that what you did? Bu- 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 because it's hilarious. The, the comic effect is that sometimes the bu- 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 motherfucking is like incredibly insignificant and like poorly placed. Yeah. Yeah. So in this case, it's the astronomy tower. Got Actually. It. That's a terrible thing to roll that out on because what is about to happen is truly worthy of a but 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 yeah. motherfucking. I think we might want to cut like, that exclamation. One. We're Absolutely. not gonna cut it. We're not. We're gonna. Are we gonna We're leave, gonna in, leave this in this whole explanation? Because this is like how the sausage gets yeah, made. Man, this is about our process. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> our process is less messy than this usually. You guys, we have like notes and shit. I know. Somebody. I made a comment on Twitter about almost excising something, and a listener said, no, you should leave everything in. And no. it's like, no, you guys, no. you do not want to hear everything that gets left in. Uh, there's a lot that belongs in the cutting room floor. Anyway, Harry's at the completely normal and unsurprising astronomy tower taking his examination when he notices six figures heading towards Hagrid's hut. Hagrid opens the door and they start shooting stunning spells at him. They're led by Professor Umbridge, so that's fucked up. So they are trying to take down Hagrid, but the stunning spells seem to be bouncing off of him. He's like, you'll never take me alive, motherfuckers. Fang tries to intervene, but he gets stunned. And then running out of the castle toward this brawl is but Bupa motherfucking Minerva McGonagall. She orders Umbridge and the, I guess they're Aurors, it seems like, to stand down, but they immediately send six stunning spells like straight at McGonagall's chest, knocking her out. This really pisses off Hagrid at this point. Hagrid was like pissed before, now he's mega pissed. So Hagrid... He curls one of the assailants like 10 feet and runs off into the forest. And up on the astronomy tower, the test administrator's like, All right, uh, five minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) As, As everyone's been watching this mayhem play out on the campus grounds. So, uh, that was upsetting in every way possible. But exams proceed despite the fact that the deputy headmistress got like. Wasted, wasted by, by ministry officials. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Guess we still have to yeah. take our history of magic test." Uh, yeah, um, the history of magic test does it doesn't go so great for Harry. He's pretty, uh, he's understandably pretty emotionally drained uh, at this point. Also, there's like a wasp buzzing around the window, which always seems to put Harry to sleep. Uh, he falls asleep when he hears the beetle in Goblet of Fire. Somebody, like, hypnotized Harry once with, like, a buzzing bug. And now he just <laughs> faints whenever he hears, <laughs> like, insects. It's like a really specific observation, but yeah. But he does. I know, it's, it's like, true. oh, man, I just love hearing the incredibly frequent beating of wings. <laughs> you know, he's got, like, it's like, it's ASMR for Harry. He just wants to hear buzzing. And he puts him right to sleep. A fucking wasp buzzes and Harry immediately is lights out <laughs> in the great hall taking his exams. So, of course, he has another dream where he's in the Department of Mysteries. Only this time, Lord Voldemort is towering over another figure. It's but 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 mother frickin' Sirius Black. <laughs> Voldemort is ordering Sirius to get whatever it is Voldemort wants off the shelf. Sirius is like, no, you'll have to kill me. Lovo says, I'm just gonna torture you for a while. I've got plenty of time. Harry wakes up screaming. The test administrator surprisingly chill about it. He's like... Also genuinely empathetic, yeah. which literally no, no grown-up has is. ever been. He's, He's like, oh, you poor boy, you must be very stressed. And Harry's like, yes, yes, yes I am. Actually, <laughs> thank you for noticing. <laughs> so I'm freaked the fuck out. So Harry heads up to Madame Pomfrey's not to see Madame Pomfrey about his nightmare, but because he wants to see Professor McGonagall. Madame Pomfrey says, McGonagall's not here. She had to go to St. Mungo's because she's like 
in a magical coma, basically, and she almost died from taking that many stunning spells to the chest. Uh, at her age, very dangerous. How old do we think McGonagall is? I don't know. That's unclear to me. Very fucking old, but though. Madame Pomfrey, this is a great Madame Pomfrey moment. She's like, I would resign in protest, but I am the only thing standing between, like, death and the student population at this point. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's <laughs> like, I can't leave. She is, like, pretty aware of her role in these books. It turns <laughs> out that Madame Pomfrey is incredibly self-aware and is like, you would literally all die. Yeah, there's nothing but me standing between you and, like, the abyss, Harry, at this point. <laughs> uh, would you like some pepper-up potion? Anyway, Harry's like, well, if McGonagall's gone, we're screwed. There's no one left at Hogwarts in the Order of the Phoenix that I can tell about this dream. Uh, anyway, Harry is pretty sure that Voldemort has kidnapped Sirius and is torturing him inside the Department of Mysteries. So... Harry's like, it is time to go into pure Harry Potter mode. Time to take matters into my own hands. Because uh, Harry's nothing if not a vigilante. <laughs> Harry goes to Ron and Hermione. He's like, guys, it's that time again. It's time to go full on sorcerer's stone rescuing basilisk stabbing adventure mode. Hermione says, no, this is a terrible idea. You don't know if this was just a dream. Also, Lovo is probably trying to bait you because he knows how your mind works. We all do after five books, almost. Um, somehow Ginny and Luna get looped into this. How does that happen? They're just like around. Kind yeah, of. Ginny like overhears it and is like, it sounds like you guys are about to go on an adventure. I want to go too. Anyway, they all decide that instead of running right off to the Department of Mysteries to save Sirius, which is Harry's proposed plan of action that Harry should use Umbridge's fire to see if Sirius is actually at home. Yes. Ron goes and tells Umbridge that Peeves is, like, fucking shit up somewhere, and Harry goes and uses the special knife that Sirius gave him that can unlock any door, even though magic can also unlock doors, but this, like, unlocks doors that have been sealed against magical charms, so I, I don't know. The mechanics of all of it are pretty messy. It's like, why even make locks in the wizarding <laughs> world? I've never understood that. You have, like, the first spell everyone seems to learn is Alohomora. Why even have locks? I don't know. I don't know. Same way, same reason we, like, take off our shoes at the airport. I it's guess. like security theater. <laughs> all right, this is not the key point of this episode. The key point. <laughs> there we go. Did you do that on purpose? Yes, I did. Oh. Never mind. You can but take... I accidentally had a really good I know call log call log in the fire phone place. Anyway, Harry breaks into Umbridge's office, sticks his head in the fire. He doesn't reach Sirius. He reaches Creature, who is being really sketchy. His hands are bandaged. He says, "I don't know where Master is. He went out. He doesn't really tell me anything." But soon he'll be dead, and I'll be able to chat with my mistress as much as I want. Ha 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 ha! Elf cackle. Yep. So Harry's obviously disturbed, but before he can press Creature for any more answers, Umbridge grabs him by the scalp and pulls him back through the fire and, like, almost breaks his neck, almost. It's, like, a really disturbing description. He says she holds his head back as though she were about to slit his throat. Like, yo! It's a very violent description. Anyway, that escalated quickly. I mean, it had escalated. It's been escalated. It's been done escalated. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Umbridge is there with the entire Inquisitorial squad, or like most of the Inquisitorial squad. Uh, they've apprehended Luna and Ginny, as well as Ron. They're like holding, and also Neville, who tried to protect Luna and Ginny when the Inquisitorial squad like got them. Neville's being held in like a half Nelson by like... It's Crab or Goyle. I don't know. I can't really tell the two apart. Um, even when I'm reading their names on the page. <laughs> they just look the same to me. Umbridge is in full villain triumph mode. She asks Snape to administer Verita Serum on Harry. Oh, Snape shows up at some point. Snape very coolly says that Umbridge used up her last bottle, and it's going to take him like a month to whip up some new 
truth serum. Harry then realizes, oh shit, Snape is also a member of the Order of the Phoenix. I could have gone to him, too. Fucking Harry. <laughs> so he tries to, like, send Snape, like, a mental message, but he's not sure it's getting through. So he says, Snape, he's got Padfoot at the place where it's hidden. Snape's like, I don't know what you're talking about, and leaves. Snape probably knows what he's talking about. Almost certainly. Thank uh, you for making the subtext the text. The te- <laughs> <laughs> Umbridge then decides to interrogate Harry anyway and says that she's been left with no other choice but to use the Cruciatus Curse, which Draco was like watching all this at the me- in the meantime, like looking very satisfied with a hungry look in his face. He's basically like Salacious Crumb in Jabba's Palace going like... <laughs> That was a very good salacious crumb. Mm-hmm. Before Umbridge can literally torture Harry, Hermione interjects and says, You don't have to torture Harry. I'm going to spill the beans right now. Harry was trying to communicate with Dumbledore. He's been having us build a weapon for him secretly to overthrow the ministry. Umbridge is like, Aha! I've got you now. Show me where the weapon at. And Hermione and Harry lead her off toward the Forbidden Forest. And that's what happens in this week's chapters. Ends on a motherfucking cliffhanger. Yo. Okay, but before we get into all of that, let's talk about exams. I didn't actually remember much about this chapter. Probably... Because it's about taking tests. Yeah, it's kind of boring. But I don't know if it's boring. I kind of no. like the fla- the like. It's I one of these school chapters that makes these books really delightful, and it's why I wasn't such a huge fan of like Fantastic Beasts. Because they lack all of this kind of just like Hogwarts fun. Yeah, you know, it's about being a kid. There's no kids in that that movie. You yeah. Know? Like, but any anyway, and everyone has this. Either you're going through this experience as a young reader, or you can think back on like what it was like to take exams, but it's been reskinned with this hilarious and charming magical theme. Yeah, I actually this chapter like lulled me into kind of a false sense of calm. Because right, the first three quarters of it are chill and kind of funny and like a little bit of a romp. Meanwhile, a flourishing black market trade in aids to concentration, mental agility, and wakefulness had sprung up among the fifth and seventh years. Harry and Ron were much tempted by the bottle of Barufio's Brain Elixir, offered to them by Ravenclaw sixth-year Eddie Carmichael, who swore it was solely responsible for the nine outstanding OWLs he had gained the previous summer, and was offering the whole pint for a mere twelve galleons. Ron assured Harry he would reimburse him for his half the moment he left Hogwarts and got a job. But before they could close the deal, Hermione had confiscated the bottle from Carmichael and poured the contents down a toilet. Hermione! We wanted to buy that! shouted Ron. Don't be stupid! she snarled. You might as well take Harold Dingle's powdered dragon claw and have done with it. Dingle's got powdered dragon claw? said Ron eagerly. Not anymore, said Hermione. I confiscated that too. None of these things actually work, you know. Dragon Claw does work, said Ron. It's supposed to be incredible. Really gives your brain a boost. You come over all cunning for a few hours. Hermione, let me have a pinch. Go on, it can't hurt. This stuff can, said Hermione grimly. I've had a look at it, and it's actually dried doxy droppings. This information took the edge off Harry and Ron's desire for brain stimulants. One thing that I thought was hysterical is that there's basically like wizard Adderall. There's this whole black market in like study aids that are basically drugs. Right. One of them is like ground up dragon horn, which it turns out is actually... It's like doxy shit. It's like doxy. But it's like, well, it's not actually dragon horn. No, exactly. Yeah, somebody's like selling doxy shit and passing it off as dr- dragon horn. So, uh. But there's all these like basically, yeah, wizarding like pharmaceuticals and like cheating implements and all this stuff that people are like, hey, like, you want to buy a quick answer quill? <laughs> and they're like little robes. And Hermione is just like cracking down on this shit. And Ron was like, I wanted to buy that. It's like, bro, you're a prefect. I respect that of Hermione so much. One thing that I noticed also is that these examiners, this like 
external wizarding examinations authority. They're really good. Yeah. They... I was almost... I was shocked. This is the first sort of portion of the wizarding bureaucracy that we've seen that I can say is entirely effective. They were kind. They clearly had the kids' best intentions. They like wanted them to do well. They were encouraging. They were very present. They asked good questions. The one like pays attention when Harry has a fucking fit in the middle of the test and is like, oh, young man, you must be stressed. Perhaps you would like medical attention. <laughs> so I was, and they seem to like kids. I know. We finally have an example of excellent public servants in the wizarding world. And some like basically effective pedagogy. This is like a well-run agency. It's true. And as a result, Harry does significantly better in his exams than he does in class. He kind of fudges divination, which is like not a real subject. So fuck it, whatever. And of course, like history of magic goes really badly for him. But other than that, Harry's doing pretty well in these tests. He like knows what's going on. It's he, funny. He even nails his potions exam. Oh, I know. Maybe not nails, but he feels he like he did well. He does well. He does better than normal, and so does Neville. Well, that's because Snape is such a bullying asshole that it makes it impossible to be successful in his class. Snape is like a huge liability to like everyone but the Slytherins in terms of their ability to like succeed academically. Wow. So this chapter is even more evidence that half of the Hogwarts teachers genuinely need to be fired. Oh my God. Completely. They brought in these exam. They brought in these like Like substitutes who immediately did a better job. (laughs) Of like coaching children through learning or the demonstration of past learning. But it is funny because the exams become kind of like a clips show. Harry's like, I remember learning Wingardium Leviosa my first year. And when then, we fought that troll. And, and then, then he like writes down how to do it. <laughs> or uh, the, he's able to answer the polyjuice potion section because he's like, ah, yes, in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. If you'll remember. We made a polyjuice potion to sneak into the Slytherin common room. And he, then it's like the blah, 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 and you get like yeah. the flashback. And here is my Patronus. You may remember book three where I first produced it. <laughs> Major plot point reminders. Does he do anything from book four? He doesn't do anything in book four. No, he does everything in book four. He doesn't, I, that's true. Everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. I don't know. He doesn't do anything sort of of his own accord. He like steals gillyweed and like, flies that's that's all him fair enough so it's remains however their whole kind of like academic sphere is pretty heavily memorization based yeah like most of this is not problem solving most of this is regurgitation of knowledge there are some i guess there's the practical part where they have to show that they can actually perform these spells it's weird that so many of the tests are just writing down the incantation and wand motions Right. It will. That's what I'm saying. It's just memorizing. But I guess memorizing is a really important part of being a wizard because they use so many of these incantations for everything. Oh yeah. Or at some point it'd be like be easier to just walk across the room and grab that thing you wanted, but rather than using like ASIO. But I don't know. You would think they would learn actual, I think we've actually belabored this, that they would use actual memorization strategies, like memory palaces and stuff like that. Like what mental athletes do. Yeah, you know? they don't use any strategies because it's like the least strategic culture in the history right. of time. But it makes sense that wizards would be obsessed with remembering stuff. It's true, but I mean, as a result, a wizarding education is pretty light on things like critical thinking and problem solving, which are the things you need regardless of whether you can do magic, as demonstrated later on in these fucking (laughs) chapters. chapters. There is very little strategic or critical thinking going on among any of these children. No. But the practicals do seem legit, but even then, it's just sort of like practicing skills that they've memorized how why to would do. you want to turn the hedgehog or whatever gets turned into flamingos no it was supposed to be turned into something else it's supposed it to be vanished vanished um, was it a hedgehog i don't remember if it was a there's hedgehog there's like there's an iguana somewhere oh there's an iguana why do i keep thinking it's a hedgehog i don't know that happened another time they were turning in the hedgehogs into pin cushions and vice versa they're just a great number of animal abuses overall <laughs> poor iguana seriously where does he go we've been there already he gets teleported into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the movie, where he's being inexplicably held and caressed by Quirrell. That's true. That's where the iguana gets vanished to. Harry's Patronus is, like, legit 
famous. I know. Everyone cheers for that deer. The um, the examiner, like, very conspiratorially is like, well, you're done, young man, unless you want to show me your Patronus. <laughs> um, not in a creepy way. For he actually means point. that. Yeah. yeah, basically. So Harry does, and everybody's like, damn, damn. And I like that part. I do, too. And then Umbridge is really mad, which is great. These chapters do bring out the worst version of Hermione. Hermione has been great this whole book, but she does have this pretty nasty streak when it comes to school, which I actually super relate to because like the thing that I'm most like uptight and obnoxious about is like kind of like achievement oriented tasks and especially school. Like I was a bitch about school, but still Hermione needs to chill a little bit. She's like snapping at everybody and like being really rude. Poor Hermione. It's more like book three Hermione. When she gets a little, little over, little overscheduled. Yeah, she just gets a little crazed by academics, which this is actually a super relatable characteristic and a really believable and like, it's like that character flaw has like verisimilitude for me. Ron and Harry are the only ones who don't seem that stressed about the exams. Everyone else is freaking out. I mean, Ernie McMillan is like, "How many hours are you studying? I've been doing eight. I think to give Harry a little bit of credit, like, he's sort of got enough on his plate. And he does want to do well. No, he does. And he does do well. Yeah. Because he's not actually, well. He doesn't burn himself out. He's able to go in with a clear head for the most part. Except for the part where the Dark Lord invades it. Well, he also has, like, I appreciate this about Harry. He has really healthy expectations around his own abilities. Like, he has a pretty good sense of how he's going to do in each subject. He, like, I think slightly exceeds his own expectations across the board. But he's not holding himself to, like, unreasonably high standards that are impossible for him to meet. Like, he's like, I want to do well enough to do what I want as an adult, but not, I don't need to, like, be perfect. Which is a thing I wish that I had been able to master as a young person. Because, like, it literally doesn't matter one iota that I have never gotten a B. Like, at all. It has made my life better in zero ways. Nice humble brag. It is a humble brag, but it's bullshit. (laughs) Because I have not had any, like, a modicum more success in my life because of that. So then we're up in the astronomy tower, and we've been lulled along in this, like, fun little test chapter, and then bam, this book is fucking relentless. Everything goes to shit immediately. Really quickly. This scene is so intense. I cannot believe they don't call off the exams. Well, when they see this wizard gun battle, like play out wand battle, uh, <laughs> it's like ground. a shootout, yeah. of their teachers. But anyway, I, I we've already reacted to this, uh, but it wow, is, uh, yeah, wow. Hagrid is such an interesting character, and this is a really cool complicated Hagrid moment because he is like kind of the gentle giant stereotype Mm -hmm. like sometimes to a fault but this is the moment where Hagrid's like you know what I'm still a motherfucking giant (laughs) come the fuck at me like you will not win here I'm sorry you cannot physically overpower Hagrid and I love that he's just like I'm not going like this like stun me all you want I'm out of here yeah, Harry thinks to himself that he's never really seen Hagrid actually mad. And it turns out, you won't like Hagrid when he's angry. <laughs> but it is, I mean, there is that sort of like, when you're a menacing looking person, right. or when you're perceived as a menacing looking person, for like, you know, bigoted reasons of a variety of sorts in our culture, you do have to work harder to never seem aggressive. Right. And so obviously Hagrid does a lot of like inner work to be perceived as like unthreatening. But this is a moment where he gets to be like, fuck that. I'm terrifying. I'm very, very big and strong. It's pretty awesome. It is. And he, poor Fang gets stunned. I hope Fang's not dead. He doesn't die, right? There were stunning spells. I mean, I don't know what effect that would have on a doggo, but. Fang's a big old doggo. Yeah. But I love Hagrid just like, throws Fang over his shoulders and just like bolts out of there and just like runs away. Just into the woods. It's awesome. He's like, I belong 
to the forest now. No, he runs off the grounds. Oh, I thought he ran runs into the forbidden forest. No, he forest. like runs out the front gates. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah, he like goes to he. We're presuming he goes to meet Dumbledore. I think I screwed up by saying he, in the recap that it, he runs into the forest. But whatever, he runs same. away. He leaves. Um, Umbridge is furious. Yeah. But you know they didn't get him. I just, it is so underhanded to go after him while the exams are happening. In the middle of the night. I know. It is. And hurting McGonagall is just so excessively cruel. I forgot that happened. It's very upsetting. I was like, whoa, this book is not messing around. No, not at all. But Umbridge has been looking for an excuse to bring McGonagall down. And it's really interesting that she cannot bring her down with, like, cunning. She has to... Like, physically incapacitate McGonagall because she cannot outwit her. Right. So well, yeah, Pomfrey like, says later, Pomfrey's like, no one could have taken McGonagall one-on-one. Yeah, exactly. McGonagall is extraordinary. There's actually this, like, cool moment where Harry kind of realizes how undervalued McGonagall really is in their life. He kind of says, he's like, all this shit with Dumbledore and, like, blah, 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 all these people. Like, McGonagall is the one constant that they really rely on. Right. Well, this is why this moment is so shocking because... Even when Dumbledore has been knocked out of action, a McGonagall of times. has always been there. Yeah, he gets temporarily sacked in Chamber of Secrets. And like undermined in Prisoner of Azkaban. Right. And McGonagall is just like always there for the kids. Yeah. In a really understated way. And Harry's kind of like, I don't care if she like takes the piss out of me like every day for the rest of my life and like, you know, is never particularly like nice and pushes us really hard like we need her she's so gryffindor she is she's incredible but the best things about gryffindor not oh, the, yeah not the douchey things no although you she's gotten a long time to temper some of the douchiness so <laughs> she might have been a little arrogant at one point she's a little imperious yeah that's true um but in a good way all right let's talk a little about harry's dream we almost never say this but dude listen to dumbledore there's a reason he wants you to be closing your mind off. Right. This is so obviously a trick. Right. Harry is just like not thinking at all. This is the wh- whole last third of this book, his brain is just like somewhere else. It's just, dude, do you remember The Empire Strikes Back? It's a trap. No, that's not it. Oh. That's later. Damn it. It's like, dude, do you remember the Empire Strikes Back? Luke Skywalker sees his friends in danger in a vision. Yoda says, don't go try to help them. And he does anyway. And he gets his hand chopped off. Yeah. And it really goes badly. It goes really badly. So, I mean, maybe if Harry had seen Empire, he wouldn't have made this decision. But they don't show films at Hogwarts. Yeah, that's weird. They've, like, never seen movies. I know. That's what I wonder. I've wondered this in the past. I was like, is anyone at Hogwarts read like The Lord of the Rings? Do they read like fantasy books? They or, don't or do they seem think to it's, read like, fiction. Silly? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. They participate with zero art except terrifying talking paintings. <laughs> but this part's very Empire Strikes Back of like the danger of relying on your own visions of the future because they might be wrong. You know, it's, well, uh, it's sort of a trope. But also, even if this is true... Harry is not thinking strategically about how to react because, and it's actually really interesting to watch this happen, Hermione like points out one of his most significant character flaws like to his face. And she's like, it's really brave of her to be like, I love you, but you've got a hero complex, buddy. Like, Is it a flaw? It's hubris. Yeah, I guess so. It's a fatal flaw in this case. Yeah, yeah. Harry... Like, pulls everyone straight into this hornet's nest. It works perfectly. Right. Blow by blow. Exactly what Voldemort wants to happen happens until the very end, and that is only because of Dumbledore. So listen to Dumbledore, but always listen to Hermione. Super listen to Hermione. He's just like, because, okay, on the off chance that this is true, which it's like so self-evidently not true... It's so interesting that Sirius is the one being used here because Harry is demonstrating such a serious quality of being just so goadable. Right. Like he's just really, really, really easy to like prod into very rash action. And yeah, Hermione's like, you 
always fucking do this, and it's usually dumb. Not always. I mean, he saved... He saved Jenny. He saved Jenny. He saved Sirius. It usually works out for him. Sort of. He usually plays right into Voldemort's hand and then sort of manages to wriggle his way out of it. He like gets he saved saves by love he or saves, loyalty. Okay, but he yeah. saves Sirius, but he also lets Peter Pettigrew get away. He saves Ginny, but Lovo almost comes back. Like all this shit almost works for Lovo. Like he plays into Lovo's hand over and over and over. Trying to save little Fleur Delacour sister is just dumb. No, it wasn't dumb. It was noble. He it got was, points for that. Yeah, it was noble, but it was also... Whatever, you're right. He's got a pattern that Lobo no, I, I hear is you. exploiting is... to a T. Right, and Hermione can pick up on that because she thinks about the big picture. Yeah, it's just also a really interesting scene because it's kind of that feeling when the thing that you're sort of afraid is true about yourself like mm. gets reflected back to you by the people you love. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. I was really worried that people thought that like I had a God complex <laughs> and was like incredibly arrogant and thought that I could do everything myself. And it turns out indeed they do think that. Also, a lot of readers have probably been thinking this about Harry for a while now. They're like, hmm. He has to be the hero. Yeah. And Lovo knows that. And he exploits it over and over and over and over again in every one of these books. This is, yeah, hubris is, I mean, in a very sort of like Greek tragedy way, one of his most significant and fatal flaws. Fatal for other people. Oof. Pride goeth before the fall. Indeed it does. I really like, just like one little observation, I really like how on board Ginny is for shit. It's really fun to watch her kind of becoming like the third Weasley twin where she's just like, you know what? Yeah, I'll cause a distraction and tell people there's poisonous gas in the hallway and like maybe everything will go horribly fucking wrong. But like, I'm in. I'm fucking in. (laughs) I like Jenny a lot. She's brave and she's funny and she's got like significant swagger. She's the perfected Weasley. Oh, yeah. That's my theory. She's the best one. They got it right on the uh, whatever, the umpteenth try. They did indeed. (laughs) She's the total package. She's like hot like Bill. She's not that much like Percy. She's good good at stuff. I don't know. She's smart like Bill and Charlie and the Weasley twins, actually. She's got their like sense of fun. She's good at Quidditch. She's loyal like Ron. Yeah. She's a good friend. Mm -hmm. She's She's got it all going on. This creature part is chilling. It's the Potter boy's head in the fire. Creature informed the empty kitchen, stealing furtive, oddly triumphant glances at Harry. What has he come for, Creature wonders? Where's Sirius, Creature? Harry demanded. The house elf gave a wheezy chuckle. Master is gone now, Harry Potter. Where's he gone? Where's he gone, Creature? Creature merely cackled. I'm warning you said Harry, fully aware that his scope for inflicting punishment upon Creature was almost non-existent in this position. What about Lupin? Mad-Eye? Any of them? Are any of them here? Nobody here but Creature, said the elf gleefully, and turning away from Harry, he began to walk slowly toward the door at the end of the kitchen. Creature thinks he will have a little chat with his mistress now. Yes, he hasn't had a chance in a long time. Creature's master has been keeping him away from her. Where has Sirius gone? Harry yelled after the elf. Creature! Has he gone to the Department of Mysteries? Creature stopped in his tracks. Harry could just make out the back of his bald head through the forest of chair legs before him. Master does not tell poor Creature where he is going, said the elf quietly. But you know, shouted Harry. Don't you? You know where he is. There was a moment's silence. Then the elf let out his loudest cackle yet. Master will not come back from the Department of Mysteries, he said gleefully. Creature and his mistress are alone again. Oh, Creature is up to no good. And he's got the bandaged hands. Great detail. But it's like, again, this is like Harry not using his brain because he knows exactly why that is, or he Mm -hmm. should. He's seen it on Dobby Mm -hmm. so often. Creature has disobeyed orders. What a great, what a great detail. It's a horrifying one, yes. Because it's it's such a good contrast to Dobby 
with the band with the ironed hands in Chamber of Secrets where Dobby is he's trying to do good. And Creature has broken orders in order to betray mm-hmm. Sirius Black. It's it's a great it's a great callback. It's a great callback and it's so morally complicated because mm-hmm. like Creature deserves to exact revenge on Sirius. Creature has really good reasons for wanting to betray Sirius right. Black. Yeah, he's got the motive. And very valid reasons. I mm-hmm. think that those are valid. And when he's like, Mistress and I will be alone again soon, it's just like, so scary. <laughs> and like, now we're in... It's that whole gothic thing with Grimald Place. Oh, yeah. Creature's like a mad woman in the attic kind of a situation. Or like Rose for Emily. Yeah, absolutely. It's got all Falknerian up in here. Absolutely. Well, this conversation with Creature gets uh, abruptly cut off because Harry is wrenched out of the fire by Umbridge. And I think this is some nice plotting here by Rowling because we had the earlier episode that went okay with breaking into the office to use the fire. And uh, it felt like it shouldn't end up okay. And uh, now we have this, which... uh, I'm not being very eloquent about it, but it ends up very not okay. Well, you do have this sort of like false sense of security because you've seen almost this exact scene before. Right. So you know that it's going to end badly. But like... If you like read a lot of books. Yeah. But I still, regardless of that, I think it works well. And also, this is just a great, oh, our heroes are so screwed. How are they going to get out of this moments oh absolutely yeah the the knots that they're tied in here make for really exciting everyone you hate is just in one room and they're holding all the cards like the slytherins cackling with glee and they're literally holding on to our heroes bodily (laughs) like it is kind of a good like star wars moment again yeah Oh, uh, they're such bullies. Ugh. They're using like wrestling moves on them. <laughs> the Slytherins, we haven't talked about this like since book one. After this behavior, after becoming like, after becoming fucking stormtroopers for this like sadistic woman. Yo, they're the Vichy France of Hogwarts. They are the most enthusiastic collaborators <laughs> of the Umbridge administration. As Tracy Morgan would say, that is a deep tracks 30 Rock reference. <laughs> so good. What does he say? He says, it's so great to hear the language of the Nazis' most enthusiastic collaborators. Yeah. Is the joke. He's Someone is speaking French. We uh, could probably take out describing clearly, a 30 Rock We're joke. clearly 30 Rock fans, uh, judging from the title of the last episode. But like... How does Malfoy get to stay at school after this? I, I guess he's just following orders. But... No, he's stoked. He's visibly ecstatic I mean, that Harry Potter might get tortured. I mean, there's no, like, thought crimes in the wizarding world. Well, he can I, have any, like, opinion about this that he wants. It's not a crime. Well, I went really fast to, like, justifying the Slytherin's actions. <laughs> uh, um, he's taking action here. Right. Well, he's not Crucio. He's not using the Cruciatus curse against Harry. He's, like assaulting fellow students. Yes, he is. That's bad. But the headmistress ordered it. She didn't order it. They, like, volunteered. Right. They signed up for this. Okay. No. They should not be allowed to continue to attend this school. I mean, I agree with you, but I can see the legal reasoning why they would be allowed to stay. it's not a legal question. It's a school. It's a sanctioned... The inquisitorial squad is a sanctioned body. But like, Doesn't mean what they're doing is right. No, but school rules are different from laws. It's not illegal to break the dress code I don't know. either. Hogwarts, you can be expelled for breaking school Hogwarts rules. Hogwarts is nothing if not completely arbitrary in... How it punishes people? Yeah. I it, just cannot believe that the Slytherins are allowed to continue to like exist. They get off totally scot-free, it seems like. Unless nothing something happens, happens that I don't them. remember. I don't know. I'm being like... I don't understand why you're, like, arguing in favor of them. I can just... I'm not in favor of it. I can just see why Dumbledore, like, lets no, them off. it's because Dumbledore doesn't give a fuck what happens no, at the I actual school. Dumbledore cares about all his students, even Slytherins. I think that's true. Maybe. Well, we can get way more into Draco and his complicity in various, uh... Draco is various the bad definition deeds. of complicity. I don't even think he... He's not even, like, complicit. He's, like, active participants. yeah. He's so bad. I think the whole Inquisitorial squad should be expelled 
when regular operating norms return to Hogwarts. Regular operating norms at Hogwarts are batshit, but, like, yeah, Crab is, like, squeezing the life out of Neville. Or Goyle. I don't know which one. One of them. Yeah, maybe so. They're assaulting them. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Their participation in this is unconscionable, and they should not be allowed to stay at this school. I don't, is this worse than anything the Slytherins have been doing before? No, the Slytherins should never have been allowed to go to the school. Their password second year was pure blood. No, I know. They're little, tiny snake Nazis. They're so bad. And they shouldn't have a place in this civil, well, it's not really a civil society at Hogwarts. It's mayhem. So whatever, I guess they just additional mayhem. My theory is you you can't take the Slytherins away because then like the, school the magic of the school like vanishes or no, whatever. No, I think you're totally right. But yeah, this is a, this is a particularly bad Slytherin moment. Yow, why are they so mean? I don't know. I mean, whatever. It's like a nature nurture thing. But like, I also think they're just mean. Yeah. Umbridge proves herself in this scene the absolute best villain in this series yeah there is lovo in zero moments ever tops her no i don't like think so. he is never as i i would posit that he is never as scary as she is in this scene even dumbledore is scared of her yeah dumbledore fucking bounces I mean, that's not why. He's not like scared of her, but you know, he was but like he, he in is the apprehensive whole... about her actions. Right when he's trying to get them all off to Saint Mungo's to see Arthur, he's a little he's freak... basically like, I can't actually protect you from this woman. He's a little freaked out. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. she's horrifying, and the sort of like the dawning realization that she may get to torture Harry Potter, and the clarity that that is like the deepest desire of her heart is just so sickening and like stomach turning. Ooh, and she has to like talk herself. She has to like find a legal rationale and she's like working through it out loud. She's like, I had no other choice. And then she says what Fudge doesn't know, what Cornelius doesn't know won't hurt him. And so, yeah, she's like totally off the leash here. And And we find out that she sicked the Dementors on Harry. Yeah, absolutely. She was uh, she she was going around. She did it secretly. Yeah, she she said they kept like belly aching about a way for Harry, a, a way to like kick Harry out of school. But I'm the one who did something about it. I just it's kind of interesting because what is her animus against Potter? Because she did that not expecting any credit because she did it secretly, and we've kind of understood her to this point to be this relentless climber within the ministry i guess fudge is her fudge is her best ticket to power yeah she wants fudge to she wants fudge to amass as much power as possible and harry is the biggest obstacle to and dumbledore are the biggest obstacles to amassing to fudge amassing power okay and she is planning to take over for fudge very clearly yes like she is like she's going to turn on fudge next if she didn't if what happened next doesn't happen to her or to everybody because it all goes to hell but like using the Cruciatus curse, it's just this moment where we kind of knew this, but it crystallizes. Like there's nothing she won't do. Right. This is this is one of the darkest moments in the books, I think. It's pretty scary. And I love that Joe has her do the like Bond villain monologuing. <laughs> because that's such a great sort of like storytelling like tell that the villain is about to go down. Like, you monologue at the very, very end of your days. It's, like, kind of cliche, but in a really fun way. Like, she's just hearkening back to really fun kind of, like, plot tropes. Right. Well, Umbridge can do that because she's not the big bad. Exactly. Although Lovo, like, monologues his fair share, but he never... Oh, he loves nothing more than monologuing. monologuing is his number one hobby. But it's more forgivable here and even kind of enjoyable. Oh, it's super funny. I like Snape's very low-key rebellion. It's funny because, like, I so rarely am, like, cheering for Snape. But in this moment where he's like, of course I'll make you more. How about a month? And she's, like, (laughs) turning purple. And you're like, yes, Snape, you're such a bastard. It's so good. It's fun when he turns it on people you don't like either. Right, because he's so good at it. Such an asshole, but... 
when he's on your side, it's like, yeah. It's really interesting to watch this desperate moment in which Harry decides his only choice is to trust Snape. And you can see how complicated that interaction is, even though it's just like a couple of seconds. Right. And Snape, like, keeps the secret. He does a really good job in that moment. And this is how you know that Snape is baller at being a double agent. Mm -hmm. Because just, like, smooth as silk, he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, Potter. And you know he knows. But, of course, once again, it falls to Hermione Granger to save the day. Dumbledore, said Umbridge eagerly. You know where Dumbledore is, then? Well, no, sobbed Hermione. We've tried the leaky cauldron in Diagon Alley, and the three broomsticks, and even the hog's head. Idiot girl! Dumbledore won't be sitting in a pub when the whole ministry's looking for him, shouted Umbridge, disappointment etched in every sagging line of her face. But, but we needed to tell him something important, wailed Hermione, holding her hands more tightly over her face, not Harry knew out of anguish, but to disguise the continued absence of tears. Yes, said Umbridge with a sudden resurgence of excitement. What was it you wanted to tell him? We, we wanted to tell him it's ready, choked Hermione. What's ready? demanded Umbridge, and now she grabbed Hermione's shoulders again and shook her slightly. What's ready, girl? The, the weapon, said Hermione. Weapon, weapon? said Umbridge, and her eyes seemed to pop with excitement. You have been developing some method of resistance, a weapon you could use against the Ministry? On Professor Dumbledore's orders, of course. Y yes gasped Hermione, but he had to leave before it was finished, and n now we've finished it for him, and we c c can't find him to, to, to tell him. What kind of weapon is it? said Umbridge harshly her stubby hands still tight on Hermione's shoulders. We don't really understand it, said Hermione, sniffing loudly. We j j just did what p p Professor Dumbledore told us to, to, to do. She's the only one thinking strategically. She immediately comes up with a cover story for what Harry was doing and a plan that, even if she hasn't fully thought it out, will buy them time to come up with something better to like work their way out of this and like harry doesn't even attempt that no he's just like i'll never tell you and hermione's <laughs> like that's gonna work for like two more minutes bro and then you're gonna be tortured and uh, to be fair to harry i actually don't think he'd give anything up under torture harry no, he's proven that he can stand up to it yo he's a bonehead but he's got some fortitude <laughs> <laughs> he's such a bonehead in this chapter, yes, he is. Pretty often. But yeah, Hermione is the only one thinking. Right, yeah. Her Harry is thinking like 10 seconds ahead always, and... Hermione's thinking like 10 years ahead. Mm-hmm, she's looking at the big picture. Of all of us. And she plays Umbridge so perfectly because she has just like learned all of Umbridge's triggers. And it says a lot about how far gone Umbridge is and how like totally like in her own story she is, that she believes this, like, totally cockamamie excuse. Like, oh, we were calling the three broomsticks to see if Dumbledore was there because we're done with his weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. <laughs> like... Dumbledore is enriching uranium in the forest. It's really dumb. And Umbridge is like, yes, yes, dear, take me to it. What kind of... He's having kids build a weapon? It doesn't... Well, it confirms, like, her most paranoid fantasies. Right, yeah. I mean, she's loving this. She want This is exactly what she wants to hear. Because oh. it's what she believes. And she deeply, deeply wishes for Dumbledore to, in fact, be this, like, great traitor. Yeah. Um, Because she wants to, like, knock him out. Mm-hmm. But it's a really ridiculous thing that Hermione tells her. And it's just hysterical that she is so kind of, like blinkered by her power hunger no, no, no. that she's like this seems legit it's like you teach these kids you know their capabilities ron weasley ain't building a fucking like wizard cannon in the forbidden forest i mean she also knows that hermione is a That's literal true. genius yeah though. all right she's like mm -hmm, ron Herm nah hermione yes she you probably can make could a weapon <laughs> enrich uranium hermione could figure out that science 
So, and then you have this fucking killer cliffhanger. And um, I read ahead. I never do that. I usually just like end on our chapters for the week because I don't want to be like it to be blurry what happens next. But I had to read the next three pages because I was like, oh, I forget exactly what happens. They're going to the forest. And it's going to get. Shit always goes down in the forest. Really nasty for uh, everyone. Yeah, man. Who's your unsung hero? My unsung hero is Griselda Marchbanks the head of the Wizarding Examination Authority. She, well, we've discussed this. She runs the most competent agency inside the entire Ministry of Magic, maybe because she apparently seems to be 200 years old. She's had a lot of time to practice and perfect her administrative skills. Uh, She gave Dumbledore his examinations. I also just love her because Umbridge is trying to, like, kiss up to her, basically, and Griselda asks how Dumbledore is doing, and Umbridge is like, oh, well, we'll find him, and Griselda just says, yeah, sure you will. (laughs) She goes, if Dumbledore doesn't want to be found, you're not finding him. (laughs) And Umbridge gets really pissy. I think Griselda's great. Griselda should be given more responsibilities in the wizarding world. Although maybe she's like part-time because she's clearly like 180. Also, she seems to like her job. Yeah, I know. She's awesome. She like has tea with Neville's grandma. Oh yeah. They're like pals. Of course, because Neville's grandma is like the steeliest (laughs) bitch out there. They go to like bridge club together, probably. Wizard bridge. Wizard bridge. It's like unnecessarily violent somehow. (laughs) Mine is Fang, because I really like making animals my unsung heroes, and uh, Fang really takes one for the team here. I super hope he's not dead. I don't think he's dead. But he is incredibly loyal. He runs straight into a stunning spell trying to protect Hagrid, although Hagrid needs no protecting, and he's a great doggo. He really is. I hope he's okay. And Hagrid has really profound relationships with animals, so it's important that he has Fang on his, like, going on the lamb trip. Hagrid Hagrid has a rough go of it in these books when it comes to the Ministry of Magic. It's well, the yeah. second time they've showed up to, Take like, him haul away. him off to Azkaban. Um, yeah, because it's an incredibly prejudiced body, I, and I know, Hagrid is part human. I feel for Hagrid here, but he's like, the last time I went... Quietly, I got to hang with Dementors for a week, uh, or however many weeks. This time, fuck that. Oh, yeah. He's going hard. Good for him. Plus, like, Dumbledore probably needs the company. No, I know. They seem to like to, like, pal around. I think Dumbledore really likes Hagrid, which is, like, cute. Hagrid's super likable. They're drinking buddies. Definitely. Speaking of drinking, who wants to get fire with? Oh, Seamus wants to get fire whiskey. For their dawn to du- or their dusk to dawn finals party. <laughs> yeah. They're like drinking and doing drugs, which is like the most realistic part of yeah, this you know. school year, actually. This week's episode is brought to you by the Wizarding Examinations Authority. Respect this authority. Authorite? I don't want to do South Park. No. That's fuck like that. too it's gross. That's too nineties like bro reference it's like not as bad as um family guy but it's close oh man let's try again this week's episode is brought to you by the wizarding examinations authority never testy about your testing the audiobook clips that you heard are courtesy of penguin random house audio they are from jim dale's performance of harry potter and the order of the phoenix by jk rowling you can find us everywhere that you get podcasts Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if that is your medium of choice. We would love that. Please also subscribe to this podcast so it always shows up in your little feed. And you can find us on social media. We are at Quibbler Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can shoot us an email, an e-owl as it were, at quibblerpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on any of the various socials. We are eminently accessible you can sign up for our infrequent but funny newsletter yeah. at tinyletter.com slash quibblerpodcast. Yeah, we, we might we write gotta, one. We got to send one of those out again. Someday. Yeah. Um, when you get them, they're good, and you don't get them too often, so <laughs> you can't complain about that. Next week, we will be reading Hardcore 
climactic chapters called Fight and Flight into the Department of Mysteries. Whoa, we're finally there. I know. It's been a big old buildup. What is in that snow globe? <laughs> Thanks, amigos. Malfoy was watching her with a hungry expression on his face. The Cruciatus curse ought to loosen your tongue. Oh, I can't bear to watch. Luna, 